Okay, awesome. So we are here for another episode of Minds the Music running monthly on Reform Radio, my favorite station in the UK. Um, and today I'm going to talk to Tom, but before we dive into that conversation, I just really quickly want to let you know that if you are interested in diving deeper into wellness, artist well-being, mental well-being, all of that beautiful stuff, um, then I want to welcome you to join my Facebook group. It's called the Electronic Music Wellness Club. We do meditation sessions um, bi-weekly. We do monthly Zoom meetups. Um, I do a lot of free trainings in there covering how to overcome procrastination, beating creative blocks, like all of that beautiful stuff that most of you struggle with and that you don't have to struggle with. And the nice thing about a community like that is that you also have peers who are in the same boat. So you don't have to feel alone with anything that you're going through as you are progressing as a DJ producer in dance music. So if you want to join that community, if you feel called, if you're like, hmm, I'd definitely be interested to dive a little bit deeper into wellness um, in dance music, then just head on over to Facebook, go to the search bar and just pop in Electronic Music Wellness Club and you should be able to find my group. So for today, I have invited Tom. Um, I will let Tom introduce himself, but um, kind of the reason why Tom is coming on to the show is, well, there's many things that we want to talk about. Um, but mostly, as you know, if you've been listening to this show um, since the beginning, I like interviewing people that I have um, personal connection with and just really a lot of common ground that we can cover um, and also kind of in a way showing what it actually looks like and feels like to make genuine authentic connections in this industry okay it's not based on accolades it's not based on the position that you hold it's really that soul-led human connection just really people finding each other resonating with each other and just wanting to do something beautiful together so that's one of the reasons why tom is here so hello tom let's just dive in and why don't you just introduce yourself to everyone okay yeah so i as you said i'm tom i dj and produce under the name t bunts i'm currently based in sheffield in england um grew up uh, on the outskirts of london place near reading I've uh, been DJing for about 11 years, producing for on and off for maybe seven. Um, and yeah, DJ across a lot of the UK, out in Ibiza, played Amnesia Ibiza a few times, uh, print works in London, Ministry of Sound in London. Um, and yeah, I guess that's that's me as an artist. Um, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into the House of Dance Over stuff shortly. Yes, well, why don't you, you know, introduce that as well? Like, what is How to Dance Sober? Um, why did you get started with that? Like, go ahead and just dive in. <laughs> sure. So three three years ago, next month, I stopped drinking. Um, before that, I kind of, I was, I guess, a typical, like, binge drinker, um, being into nightlife and club culture. And that just kind of comes hand in hand, doesn't it? So I'd be out a lot, I'd be drinking at these events and taking drugs at these events. And then it just kind of got to a point in my life where I thought that's not really for me anymore and cut it out. Um, 
I make it sound super duper easy and simple there. Like it, it took, it had taken a few attempts, admittedly, but it got to a point where I just thought, right, this is definitely not for me anymore and stopped it. Um, and then I kind of, as I went on my own journey throughout that, continued being as, as involved as I possibly could in dance music because I love it and that's my like passion in life. That's what I do. And I'm never going to move away from that. So I started kind of learning to navigate the industry sober. And a lot of people, a lot of people find it really weird. Um, there's so many people when I, would either introduce myself or I'd, all, I'd, all, I'd find other people introducing me for me saying Tom Tom is a DJ and he's sober and they'd be like what look at me like I'm an alien and, and it was just it was just weird or people just saw it as weird um, so I kind of had, had the idea of what could I do to kind of change this and then the idea of what I called how to dance sober came around Mm -hmm. with the aim of what I say is rebranding sobriety. Yeah, I really now, love that, like that kind of tagline or whatever you want to call it, because I really do feel like that's a mission, like that's your mission, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it is a mission that is needed exactly. because, you know, it's just, as you said, most people find it so weird. So yeah, why, why don't you dive a little bit deeper into that, like rebranding sobriety and dance music? What, what does that look like? Well, it there's a bit of, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but there's kind of, I guess, a stereotype around the word sober and a sober person and boring. And people think that sober people don't go to don't go clubbing, they don't go out to raves, they don't go to festivals, they don't like have it out when they go on a night out. And it's just so wrong. You, you, if, if you know somebody who's sober that does that, then that, that's you can't just tar the ball with the same brush, especially in dance music. And one thing that I remember before I'd launched it, and I was just, uh, I think I was just doing the, the clubhouse rooms before I'd launched the podcast, that is. And I was in a, a music one with a bunch of like fairly well-known DJs in the kind of underground house scene, I guess. Um, and the, the topical conversation was what could, what can you do that others maybe aren't to excel in your career or, or get to the next step in your career? So people were coming in with different options, like, oh, I, I quit watching Netflix so I could produce, or, or one guy said he moved away, he moved to a new town because he realized the mates he got in with, they just, got out and got smashed all the time and, and didn't weren't really working towards anything so it was just party 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 and nothing else so he, he moved himself away from them so so i uh had i had my input on that conversation and my, my idea or what i brought to the table was i stopped drinking and one dj who i won't name him but is, is fairly well known they said um sort of came back to me he was like yeah yeah and I was, I was talking about being at events and being switched on you know who to speak to you know when to shut up you know when to leave you're not like too close to anyone like <laughs> you know what i mean not invading personal space you're just you're switched on and you can just go and network at events which is obviously a massive part of of the music industry and he said to me yeah yeah but don't, don't be too sober though and <laughs> and it just it really it pissed me off put it that way but anyway I just kind of brushed over it but it just made me really think afterwards this is this is what I need to get rid of and this is what I'm aiming to just squash but what what does too sober mean what he means is don't be boring and it's yes. just it's just a, such a narrow-minded well I say narrow-minded I probably would have had that view at one point in fact I definitely would have had that view at one point mm. so it's not me going out and saying everybody thinks that's an idiot. It's just they're at a different stage of 
well, it may not even be a sober journey for them. They just it's just learning to accept it in the industry. And like I say, that that is the rebrand sobriety hashtag that I'm trying to push. In that it's it's not what it's got the reputation for. Yeah, um, and I think with it, it goes way beyond dance music. The role of alcohol in in society in general. It's just sure. it's the vast majority of us drink it on a regular basis, and it's so like super hyper normalized in in almost every culture isn't it when you're of age you drink like yes. whether that's with a meal or whether that's going out or whether you're celebrating or whether you're like drowning sorrows it just it's almost like we're brought up to think it's the answer to everything so when someone says i don't drink people either a they think you're weird or b they think you're like a recovering alcoholic yes um which is i, I like i've said i've never identified as someone who was an alcoholic although that's it's a very weird word and it's and it, you can debate to the end of the earth what an alcoholic is i i was somebody you i guess i guess i could i was using an addictive substance called alcohol on a regular basis and i decided to stop doing it uh, yeah if you want to call that an alcoholic that's fine um yeah. but yeah it's yeah, I'm, I'm not on the journey of recovery it's, it's it's nothing nothing like that i I very rarely, if I didn't put it this way, if I didn't start House of Dance Sober, I would never think about alcohol. It's just right. something that I don't consume. And so the only I only kind of think about it or, or notice it kind of when there's, I don't know, scenes in the telly and stuff like that, where I kind of, I, I look at them differently or, or adverts or, or certain situations where there's obviously drinking happening and just, you can't escape it. So you, you're going to notice yeah. it and, and I guess then think about it to an extent, but it's not something that I think, oh, I'm like counting days to try and get to a certain milestone sober or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess that in, I would say in a nutshell, it's quite long-winded, <laughs> is, uh, is the whole rebrand sobriety idea. Yeah. So what I like about what you said, well, I like a lot about what you said, but um, what I kind of wanted to dive a little bit deeper into is what you said around, um, you know, almost a narrow-mindedness narrow of people. Um, the way I've come to see that is... And that also goes with the work that I do, um, you know, really advocating for cultivating wellness and dance music is what I want to do with my company is really help shape the dance music community into a more healthy, more inclusive and more positive environment for everybody who wants to build a life around their passion for electronic music. And what that looks like for me is helping to change that collective consciousness in dance music. And what that means is really debunking and actually smashing some of those limiting beliefs and limiting stories and general stories that people tell. And one of them being, you know, when you're not drinking, you must be boring because there's like this whole lifestyle surrounding, you know, um, being a DJ or doing live gigs or being a producer or even any other role in nightlife, like working as a sound person or whatever that looks like in nightlife, like alcohol automatically comes into the mix. And there's this limiting story around that being, oh, that's just normal. And when you're not part of that story, then that's not normal and you must be boring. So that's kind of like what I see as one of the limiting collective beliefs that I feel like you're debunking with How to Dance Sober and with rebranding sobriety. Um, because that's really what happens when people enter 
a sector like the dance music industry, that's what we're talking about, but it really goes for anything, if you ask me, is that they tend to make those stories that they hear their own. They internalize them. They make them mean something about them, but they don't really think about what does that actually mean? They just kind of I don't know, they hear a mentor say it or somebody that they look up to or appear and they just kind of adopt that behavior without really thinking about it. And I think what you're doing and what I'm doing with my business is a lot of it is raising awareness and really helping people to think for themselves and think about, in this case, what does alcohol mean to you? What is your relationship with alcohol like? And is it really necessary to have that kind of relationship? That's kind of how I see all of that. And for me, like finding your clubhouse room, I think back in February, I think you asked me to come and speak in your room. And then I was like one month into my sobriety. Now it's almost seven months, but your room, like being invited in that room and discovering that vibe that was there and what you were doing in such a non-pressured, informative kind of way is really something that helped me in my sobriety journey. And even my fiance's, you know this, like I I took him to one of your rooms, you know, he's also, you know, doing the sober thing right now as well. And so that room has helped me and also him to feel like, hey, actually what we're going through is normal and it's okay. And there are certain questions that we have and it's not easy to deal with the reactions of your environment because you are getting like these really weird comments. Like for example, for me, it was like, oh my God, I could never do that. Or, oh my God, (laughs) drinking is a lifestyle. Like, you know, whereas I would be like, I'm just communicating to you a lifestyle choice that I have made, which I don't see how that impacts your life. But those were the things that you and your community and your space has helped me navigate. And I'm sure other people as well. And I'm kind of going off the grid here. I'm just kind of blurbing stuff out. But I feel like a lot of what you have been doing so far that I have seen is definitely helping reshape those limiting stories that people have around alcohol in dance music and helping them reframe their relationship. Whether that means they stop drinking, whether that means they are sober curious or they cut back, whatever that looks like, it doesn't really matter. Like you're never going to tell them what to do or how to be, but it helps people really rethink um, their relationship with alcohol, I feel. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's, kind of the main goal of the House of Dance Sober podcast and the whole kind of message is I'm not, and this is what I say to my guests before I have them on the podcast, I say, look, I'm not trying to get everyone to go sober. I'm just trying to change people's perspective and hopefully change people's relationship or the way they see their drinking. Mm -hmm. And by doing that and by having the podcast that isn't just from start to finish talking about or, or demonizing alcohol, it's we chat like half roughly half is just about music and about djing and events and nightlife and just like nothing to do with sobriety and then it kind of goes on to how well how long they've been sober and why they're sober and how they found it and how their friends have accepted it and stuff like that and i i just hope by 
each guest has a, has a different story and a different reason for doing it. And obviously they've been sober for different amounts of time. Some are quite new to it. Some have been doing it like 10 plus years. Uh, in fact, I've got one guy that's never drunk, a DJ that's never drunk in his life. Right. Well, he tried, he tried it when he was growing up and didn't like it, so never drunk, <laughs> which I think is, is absolutely fascinating. It takes yeah. so much strength of character to not just start drinking like everyone else does around you, right? Um, so yeah, it's about... Because the thing, the thing about dance music, it takes a lot to stop drinking because you're surrounded by it. it it doesn't seem like a problem when everyone else is doing it and like for my situation all my mates did it we all just went out got smashed we got on it and then we'd go to work on monday we'd feel like crap for a couple of days we'd hold a job down it wasn't <laughs> like i was surrounded by people that were like wrecking relationships losing homes or like anything like that which some people i think that's their view of when something becomes a problem or, or what, and, and it needs to get to that stage before they maybe consider removing it from their life. And for me, I, it wasn't that I felt it was going in that direction. It was just that I kind of, it just didn't sit right with who I was as a person. Like I've always been a really health conscious person. I've always ate what I considered to be a healthy diet. I've always exercised and I've always really looked after myself yet. I say that, yet for years, I was going out and getting absolutely smashed on the weekends, missing night's sleep and and taking days to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was never one of these people, I don't know how true it is, but these people that say, oh, I don't get hangovers or, or the come downs are never that bad. And I'm just there like dying for days <laughs> afterwards. And they've been at the same event until the same time. And I, I yeah. it just really, it would really knock my routine. And I always said, I'm, I, what I've learned about myself is I'm just a sucker for routine. I love having a routine and it's quite a big deal for me to change my routine. Um, but I've what I have learned is when I when I do it and I know it's for the better, it, it gets me out of my comfort zone. But when I eventually get used to it, it's just my routine. And then it's, it's so easy for me to keep routine. So when, when I used to do stuff like going out and just going way too hard at the weekend and then not going to the gym Monday, Tuesday, and maybe not even Wednesday, I would just, it would just mess with my head and I'd just be like, oh, you're like, be, be, beat myself up quite bad about it. Yeah. Um, and, and then I just started to realize like, what, for what, what, what do I get out of this? It's not like I can't go to these events sober. There's no, there was no need for me after that event to go stand in someone's kitchen for 12 hours. <laughs> it just, oh my God, it just, yeah. <laughs> it just did, what did I get from it? Nothing except a, a millicent hangover that, or a come down that lasted for a few days. And I knew, I knew full well I could go to events sober because I used to do it because I was I was the designated driver so often when when I lived near Reading in a place called Woken. We used to drive to Fabric all the time. Well, mm. I, I say we. I was very often the designated driver just because it got if it didn't drive, waiting for the train or trying to get the first train back or getting a taxi or something the next day. It was just so expensive. And it's just, yeah. I just remember so many times being like waiting for the first train or, or end up paying through my nose for a taxi back from London or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just thinking, oh God, I'll do anything just to get in my bed now. And so, so yeah, I just, I just drove and I'd only, I knew if I was driving to an event, there'd be no, temp- there was never a temptation to drink at all, obviously. Um, but, and I just always used to reflect on these events and, and this, this actually happened years before I ever really considered going sober Mm. But I used to drive to some events and then I'd not drive to some events. And then I remember comparing them in my head afterwards and noting that never once did I drive to an event and regret it. 
I never woke up the next day or I never got halfway through the night and I thought, oh, I wish I was drinking now. It never, mm. not once happened. But so many times where I either just went and drunk or I nearly drove, I was going to drive and then last minute, I was like, oh, sod it, no, I'm going to have a drink. I always regret it. So it just, I kind of look back on that as a long time before I actually went sober, but it's just a very telling comparison that if you're going to the right events, you're not going there to get smashed. You're going there to see DJs, to, to spend time with people that you enjoy the company of. And it's, it sounds really cliche saying you don't need alcohol to have fun. And if if someone said that to me years ago, I would roll my eyes so bad. And so <laughs> many people will probably roll their eyes when they hear it. That's so I, I do try to kind of, I, I try not to say that you don't need alcohol to have fun kind of thing. But I look back and I just think, I was having amazing times at these events because the venues are amazing and the lineups are amazing. The DJs were playing amazing sets, not because I was smashed. I just happened to be getting smashed at those events. So mm. as soon as I kind of disconnected those two things, it was just, it was so freeing. And I just, like, there was never like, oh, I don't enjoy the events in the same way. It's nothing like that. I've just, you, I guess kind of have to, not relearn, but just get used to experiencing the events in a slightly different way. But as soon as that happens, it takes a little a little time, but as soon as that kind of clicks, it's so empowering. And I just yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I feel I feel that a lot of it is deconditioning yourself, especially with alcohol. Like for me personally, alcohol had been up until January 1st this year had been a part of my life since I was 12 and I'm 37 now. So it's like, wow, that's a long time. Yeah. That's a long relationship to, to leave. And I feel like, yeah, I think for me, the same thing kind of sort of happens in a way where I was thinking about like, you know, what, what is alcohol bringing to my life and more and more thinking about like, why am I doing this way before I even stopped drinking? And for me, the thing that kind of started it was as a coach, I would never drink or do other drugs um, when I was having coaching clients. So let's say it's Saturday and I know like on Wednesday, Thursday, I have a coaching client. Like I'm not, I'm just not going to do anything because I don't want anything in my system. I just don't think that would be fair. I wouldn't be fully present for this person. I wouldn't be fully present for me. I wouldn't be really being be able to give all of me because you're still kind of recuperating from that weekend. Um, and so that's kind of where it started. And then I started to really notice what that was doing for me, especially um, anxiety. That was a big one for me. Like the, the anxiety that alcohol was bringing to my life is like, I cannot even believe now, just seven months in, how, how incredible that was. Like, how, how did I even manage to get through some days like with all of that anxiety flying around day in and day out? Um, and alcohol definitely was, was just a huge fuel for that anxiety. And yeah, and I think you're so right. It is, and it is for so many people. But so few people, I think, actually make the link because yeah. because in a really short term, alcohol alleviates that anxiety for a very yeah. short period of time, yes. only to then increase it. So 
what it's very hard for your brain to work out is that alcohol is causing so much of that anxiety because your subconscious is being told every time you have that drink you feel a bit more relaxed because it's a numbing agent and it it like on a chemical level depresses you so yeah. you feel you feel calm you feel relaxed you, you, these little problems or the anxiety it, it goes away for a very short period of time the only issue is when that alcohol kind of starts to wear off you're either going to be left with even more or you just have another drink and then it keeps doing it and keeps doing it yeah. so it's not until you really stop for like like you're saying there an extended period of time that you really start to notice how it's just, just like it's so it tricks you on so many levels that you just never realize until you just take it away and stop yeah. giving it like the power that you only sure. give it through drinking yeah and take it away for longer than a month because <laughs> yeah. that's really not enough and i felt like for me three months in i started to realize okay now i'm starting to feel the true effects and now i'm seven months in and i'm like oh my god now i'm starting to feel like you know the yeah. longer i'm in it the more and more I realize, and I also think it's it's normal because, again, as I said, you know, such a long relationship with alcohol, I really want to give myself enough time to experience my life without, and I still have, I hope, a long life to live, yeah. so, so much to look forward to, but yeah, I feel like it's just... Yeah, as you said, like not enough people think about what it's actually doing. And if you do start talking about that, um, a lot of people get quite defensive and get quite, yeah, I think defensive is the best way I can put it. They feel like they have to kind of, you know, come up with all of these explanations and yeah. reasons as to why they can handle it and it's not really affecting them. And I'm like, don't fool yourself because in the end of the day, as you said as well, it's also a chemical reaction. It's not like you can tell your brain like, oh, we're not going to have that chemical reaction right now. Like mm -hmm. it's your body, it's biology, it's just happening. Like even on just a rational level, you cannot fool yourself into thinking that this is not going to affect you because it is because you're just slowly poisoning yourself, basically your body. Yeah. And also your mental state and all, all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, people I find quite often without me asking, so because I don't bring it up, it's, and especially not in certain situations. Like It comes up a lot around certain friends for obvious reasons. But some situations I just think, well, I'm not going to mention it. I like It's irrelevant whether, but obviously people notice, well, I say obviously, a lot of times in certain situations, people notice if you're, if you're ordering soft drinks or whatever. So they'll ask you about it. And then so often it switches to, people um def not it's, it sounds very like you say very defensive but sort of justifying oh yeah i th here's the reasons i drink and here's the reasons i have not stopped and you just think okay that's that's fine i haven't, I haven't asked you about any of those reasons yeah but it, it can be a little not threatening but if because i look back so I always try to look back onto when I was a drinker, what would I have done if someone had said that? And I remember being around people that weren't drinking, even if they weren't drinking for the night. And if they were in the circle that I was out with that night, I, I would push drink onto them. And mm. when I look back, why did I do that? It's because I, it was all about me. I wanted to let go. And I, I felt like I couldn't fully let go if someone around me was sober. I wanted everyone to be on at least the same level I was. Yeah. So I pushed drink onto other people. Now that is, they almost cringe saying it because I obviously stand for everything against that now, but I have to kind of look back and think, why did I do that? And, and accept the fact 
the people around me are probably going to do that. Um, it, it definitely doesn't happen to anyone I know because mm. they know I'm sober. Um, like we'll joke about it and whatnot. Like yeah. we're going to we're going to fabric reopening this weekend, and there's oh, been nice. jokes about just me getting stuff in for fabric and stuff. Like, and they all just laugh, obviously, because. <laughs> not because I'm hilarious but because, just because they know that that's not going to happen you know but yeah. it to start off with there was there was yeah more people I guess that would question it and, and push back but what I really like now is I can say yeah I've, I've actually got a podcast all about it and that, <laughs> like, oh it's obviously pretty serious then so I can kind of squash that people that, that might think it's a phase or something yeah right I think for me what also helps um well, obviously, as a coach, there's a lot of tools that I can like go to and, you know, to kind of cope with, like, put yourself out of the situation and just kind of look at what is actually happening, describe the situation. Like when people feel like they have to defend themselves or justify themselves, like it's really easy for me to take a step back. But what really helped me, and I already mentioned this, was being able to go into your clubhouse rooms and just kind of listen to what you are all talking about and just kind of asking questions around that and just understanding like, oh, it's actually quite normal for this to happen. It's actually quite normal for people to maybe not come across as being very supportive, even if they mean well. <laughs> Sometimes in the things that they're saying, it's just more about them than it, than it is about you. And in the end of the day, you do have whether you want it or not, you do have an impact. Like for me, for example, my, my fiance stopped drinking three months ago now, I think because nice. of seeing me. Yeah. Because of seeing me, you know, still having fun and yeah, not yeah. boring and <laughs> still going out and just being like, la la la. Um, so that's really cool. And then other friends of mine have also become more curious, you know, like hmm, asking me questions, seeing me do this thing. Like, as you said, like, it's not, it's no longer a phase. Like, this is just a thing now. And yeah, I didn't yeah. announce it. I didn't like make a firm decision. January 1st, I will stop drinking for the rest of my life. No, I just kind of quit. And then we're like July and I still, I'm not drinking. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it definitely does have an impact. And I think for anybody listening who's considering this or who's already in it, just know that whether you want it or not, you do have an impact, which in any way you, you want to turn it is positive, but you're not responsible for um, how other people feel or react to that. That's not your responsibility. Your only responsibility is how you feel about your own stuff and how you you know, respond to those situations, but you're not responsible for how people feel about your decisions. And I think that's really a big one, especially for people who just are in their journey, like who are new on their journey. It's really important to know that, I think. That is a huge part of it. And I distinctly remember that being a big part of it for me, because before I quit, well, before, the, let's say, before I had my last drink, because I know there was times before that where I quit. I think quote marks quit for anyone that's <laughs> listening. Um, and I would start again, but looking back on it, they weren't, I'd, the reasons I started again were not not for me. They were for either for other people or I guess to me, to some extent, because they were like, one of the, one of them I distinctly remember was Christmas Eve. I'd not drunk for an extended period, so I say probably a maybe two months mm. um and 
I was comfortable. I remember being really comfortable not drinking. I never, I was, yeah, I wasn't like struggling or anything like that, but it, Christmas Eve was coming up and I thought, I always get smashed on Christmas Eve and I always have a hangover on Christmas Day, which is a horrible thought. <laughs> <laughs> Yet somehow it was enough to make me drink again. And that that circle, that cycle kind of happened two, maybe three times. And then the final time I just thought, right, this is, I'm going to be selfish and Sometimes it's not a bad thing to be selfish, you know, especially if you're doing something that is going to better you as a person, improve everything about you, is how I'd say it. Now, I I just knew that I had to be selfish about this decision and completely ignore how it would affect anybody else. Now, some people, like you say, they either question it or there's a bit of resistance or they they push back against it. But if, if anyone's doing that long term, they're not the sort of people that you need around you in your life. I look back at it and I think, how, have I lost any friends over it? No, I don't. There's people I spend less time with, but real friends don't, okay, they're, they're going to give you banter. I would I would have always given banter if someone had stopped drinking back when <laughs> I was a drinker. That's part of it. That's what your mates do. They take the piss out of you. Yeah. So that's part of it. You need to learn to deal with that. But as soon as they realise it's a, it's a decision for you and it's a decision for the betterment of you as a person, they're going to accept that if they're real mates, because any, anyone would accept some uh, decision your friend made purely to better themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting through that phase stage, which because I, I, I remember thinking, I wonder if I'll ever look back and think, oh, do you remember that sober phase I had? Because <laughs> I was thinking like right now, I, I, I'm very aware that my mindset on certain things throughout my life has changed drastically. Mm-hmm. And one of those being alcohol. So I'm very conscious of that fact and I, because I'm, there was a time where I was as sure that I would never quit drinking as mm-hmm. I am now, that I will never drink again. So I'm always conscious that that could kind of be flipped on its head. Now I will, I will sit here and tell you, as a matter of fact, I will never drink again. But mm-hmm. I also would have said I'll never quit alcohol many years ago. Yeah. So it's being conscious of that fact and and learning to get through the phase stage. And really, everyone that matters in your life, I guarantee you will accept it yeah I totally agree with that like again reiterating what we've said before you know if they are really true friends or just genuinely supportive of you they they will stick around if not then they'll just kind of phase out um you're not responsible for how they feel around your decisions and as you also said it's definitely okay to be selfish around that like if you need to maybe spend a little bit of time away from certain people as you are figuring this journey out that's totally fine there is no that that's totally fine like there is no reason even to justify any of that like if you need that then you just do that if that's what your energy needs to kind of regroup and and figure all of this new stuff out then that's totally fine and the way that I well this will go maybe mostly for Um, women or female identifying people listening but the way that I explained it to one friend of mine who seemed to be having the most issues with me not drinking anymore was like if you would come up to me and tell me oh I'm pregnant I would never ever say oh my god I would never do that oh my god that's totally not for me I would never say that I would just be like I'm happy for you, good for you, and that's it, right? So for me, it was literally that whole thinking around it, like it's a lifestyle, it's a choice that you make. It doesn't have anything to do with 
you. I'm just kind of communicating to you that this from now on is something that I've decided. I'm proud of it. It makes me feel happy. And it could be stop drinking. It could be getting pregnant. It could be whatever um, you choose your life to be. And you get to choose that. You get to decide what you want your life to look like. And you get to be supported for that. But you don't, in essence, you don't need the approval of others to be valuable enough to choose your own life. And that's the thing I think you also need to remember when people are feeling a little bit off with your decision, just remember that you don't need validation from others to do that. And I think that's also a huge one. Completely agree with everything you just said. I think there's some very good quotes in there. I love the analogy with the uh, with someone getting pregnant. Yeah, yeah, because like I don't want like I don't want children. I've decided that um, not so long ago. I think well, me and my fiance decided that, and also that also gets a little bit of pushback sometimes from people. Obviously, because most people like think, oh, you're a woman, you will have children. But no, that's just not what I see my life to be like. But it's literally the same for me. It's just a lifestyle choice, right? So it's the same with not drinking, not doing any other drugs, not eating meat, not whatever that looks like. You just get to choose your lifestyle. And that's just really, in essence, what it's about. Um, I just feel like with alcohol, it's probably this huge thing because it's so integrated into our lives, especially in the dance music industry. It's such a huge part of it, getting pats on the back from for being like super drunk, hangover the day after, being a weekend warrior, whatever, like needing a drink or two to be able to be in the DJ booth so that your hands will not tremble, so that you will actually be able to operate the knobs, like all of that stuff happens. Um, but it doesn't make you it doesn't make you a hero or anything if that is something that's not feeling good to you. So you really get to choose what you want your life to be like. So that's kind of what I wanted to say to wrap up this conversation. But lastly, Tom, what I want to ask from you is like your maybe top two or three tips for people who are looking to go on their own journey of sobriety and dance music, what would be your top two or three tips be? So my top tip, and I'll say this because it worked for me. Now I know what works for different people is, is it varies from person to person. I appreciate that. But what really worked for me is learning about alcohol, the chemical and what it does to humans. Now, what it does to me, because I'm me, what it does to human beings, how they process alcohol and how it impacts every part of your body and your mental state and your well-being. Yeah. Um, and the more I learned about alcohol and the book I read is called Alcohol Explained by William Porter. And it's a really matter of fact, like well laid out, all in layman's terms, book about alcohol, hence the name. And it just really just laid out to me in a way that I just thought, Christ, why on earth would I ever want to pour alcohol down my throat ever again? Like the, it just laid it out so well. I distinctly remember, I say read it, I was listening to it as an audio book and I distinctly remember being stood in the gym, listening to it and I just stopped. And I remember having to like lift my jaw up because I was just stood there like gave, I can't remember what it was. And my, after I finished the book I'm reading now, I'm going to reread it because I read it when I first stopped, so nearly three years ago. So I'm going to reread that. But I mean, that 
tip over and above because it just worked for me so, so, so well is learning about alcohol, not learning why to quit or which, which I was, you should do as well. But I'm just saying this one particular thing about learning about alcohol, the chemical and what it does to your mindset and the human body is the number one thing that just not only made me want to quit, but made it super easy to quit. Because once I knew that, I was like, <laughs> what, no, thank you. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Why would I ever go back? Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, is just generalized to anyone, whether in the dance music industry or not, of course. But in terms of being in the dance music industry, or if, if you're just a rave or whatever it is, if you love dance music, a huge part of that obviously is going out to clubs and festivals and events. So really sitting back and thinking what it is you like about those events, why you go to certain events mm -hmm. and not rushing into going to just any old event when you are sober. So say if you, if you are someone that's made the decision to cut it off completely, or if you're just slowly maybe moving towards that and drinking less and less, I would say doing your first sober event is a really big step, but pick what you don't go to an average event that you're gonna that you might get bored at yeah if you can drive but pick a really good event and go there and just immerse yourself in the music that you've gone to listen to and you love and just enjoy it there's there's no better buzz than experiencing an event sober and just having it stick with you the next day, you get up the next day, you feel fresh or maybe a little tired because you've been out to whatever time, but you yeah. you can function and you can yeah. remember the night before and it just sticks with you in such a vivid way. So picking that event and thinking, if you love the music, you probably listen to it all week anyway. You listen to, you're not pissed when you're listening to house or techno or drum and bass or whatever it is at home <laughs> and you still love it. So who's to say you're not going to love it when you listen to it on a massive sound system in front of a DJ surrounded by people that are loving it as well. So yeah, picking the right event and thinking everyone is probably, most people are going to be smashed. Nobody cares what you're doing. Nobody looks at you and thinks he's sober, she's sober. Nobody can tell. So just get stuck in. So the more you get stuck in, the better it feels and the less people are ever going to think yeah. you're sober. Because that for me to start off with, and I think for a lot of people I get, oh, people will like, no, I'm sober. No, they won't. No, they won't. They will, well, they will if you stood there like a like a board in the middle of the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, getting stuck in in the right event is just a huge step. Yeah. I um, encourage anyone to do it. Yeah. I love those tips. I think those are really, really good. And I would also say my personal tip would be find yourself a Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well my dms are always open i always encourage people and every one of my podcasts i well yeah. everyone i remember i say just dm me so at how to dance sober if i could just plug that just for and sure I, and i've had quite a few messages from people which is so i get so like i'm so proud to have made this thing that is helping people kind of honest that are on a similar journey to me because so many of them have messaged me and thought and said this is what I've been looking for. Like this thing didn't exist because when you when you first get sober and you start looking online for maybe podcasts or, or communities and stuff, this is yeah. not to knock existing communities in any way because they have their place and they're supportive to hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands of people around the world. Um, but it, a lot of it, it wouldn't. None of it relates to me. Put it that way. None of it relates yeah. to me. So my vision from the start is there's got to be a lot of people in my shoes that or, or maybe at a slightly earlier stage in the journey or further along who knows but people that could benefit from this these discussions that i'm having and putting out yeah. and just stuff that i'm posting online so yeah it's it's yeah. it's great to speak to people that are kind of just starting out on the journey or like you say so curious yeah 
Yeah, no, for sure. And also I feel like for me, it was, I was happy to have found how to dance sober because for me, the first thing that I did was look into like these online AA Zoom meetings, but I was like, oh, that just doesn't feel good to me. Like I don't have anything against that, but it didn't really resonate with what I needed. And then when I found how to dance sober, I was like, yeah, okay, that, that, that feels good. Like that's something that's more close to home or something for me, yeah. right? Like you're kind of in the same environment. So you know what you're talking about. I know we had really fun conversations in, in the clubhouse rooms as well, just really candid, open, transparent conversations where, you know, we're talking about life beyond dance music, obviously, but the impact that all of your choices have on your life in general um, are, are just really huge. You know, I remember this one conversation around somebody was saying like, oh, I had no issue putting like a hundred quid on the table for another bag of Coke, but then the day after, paying for my piano lessons to better myself as a producer oh, yeah. or whatever. Remember? Yeah. I think yeah, that was Mari that. or something from Malta. Yeah. And she said, like, when I started to think about that, I was like, what the actual fuck? Like, really? I wouldn't pay, I think it was 75 euro for piano lessons, but like 100 quid for another bag of Coke. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. no problem. You know, but like, that, those are the things that you go through when you are really deep into the dance music scene. Like, that's just... That just happens, like, let's be honest, right? Yeah. But you really start rethinking your decisions as they impact your life, like the investments that you make, not just money-wise, also energy, focus, attention, time. Um, but those are things that you start realizing, like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah, and you, you mentioned it there, time. For me, that is one of the, if not the biggest benefit is, and it's not, it's not something that I necessarily appreciated to the to the extent that i love it now mm. it's just the all the time i have that i didn't have before yeah. so putting aside the last 18 months where most of us have had nothing but time yeah. is being able to just go out to go out to the events pick and choose the events but then have the next day and just it was not only the time but it was being productive in that time and getting so mm. much more done in such less time not waiting months and months to finish a track because every time i go to it i'm hungover and i only last half an hour and whatever yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah it's just this abundance of time that you then have and, and you can use that time you can allot that time and you can commit to time because you know you're not going to be hungover that putting off things or, or cancelling things last minute used to yeah. just i i did it but i used to feel really bad for it mm -hmm. i used to hate that i did it but it happened because you, yeah. I'd either still be up or I'd be hungover or I'd still be asleep or whatever. And yeah. it's now knowing, oh, I'm going to an event on Friday night. Yeah, I can still I can still make whatever plans I'm going to make the next day, whether it's lunch, breakfast with someone, whatever it is. I, I can go out comfortable and confident in the fact that I'm going to make that the next day and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to be dragging <laughs> like my, yeah. my half-drunk body to a meeting or something. Oh, my God, yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like, time is our most important resource it's not infinite it's not renewable it's just when it's gone it's gone like with money you can still think okay money always comes back or you know i can still see that friend some other day or i will make new friends like whatever but your time when it's gone it's gone like it's not a renewable resource it's just lost and that's the thing also in the cycle when you start beating yourself up for missing family time or 
not being able to finish your music because you're just feeling too shitty, you know, and then beating yourself up over that. And then the next time, you know, the weekend rolls around, you're kind of already, I think, subconsciously anticipating on that. And then what you will start doing is maybe drinking even more because you're already starting to suppress the feelings that you will feel after the thing is done. And it's like this whole cycle of like anxiety, beating yourself up, shame, like feeling sorry for yourself, feeling guilty, like all of that. And then it adds on to the pressure. Like now I have to be even more doing my best because I've been doing, I've been making really bad decisions for myself. And it's like this whole cycle, like we could talk about this endlessly, but that's just the whole thing that um, the, where the awareness needs to be built. But um, if you don't see, I feel like if you don't see for yourself, how much you actually have suffered through this, if you have not suffered enough, it's probably going to be really difficult for you to stick to your decision to quit something like alcohol. Yeah. Interesting. You say that a lot of people, I think they get to a really low point and the word rock bottom is thrown around quite a lot. They, say that they just obviously went through hell yet it was such an easy decision for them to stop drinking now for me it was i knew i wanted to do it Mm. but it was it became easy when i knew enough about it i really understood it but yeah there were times where because i remember thinking to myself once when i was hungover i was thinking right and this was before I ever really looked into like, reading up on it, read any books on it, because the books are the ones that like switched something in my brain that it just clicked. Yeah. Before that, I remember thinking, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm just going to do it because I'm not producing today. I remember being like out on nights out and seeing an amazing set. I, do you know what? I think it was Fabric. And I remember setting an alarm the next day. I was like, I'm so inspired to set my alarm to, to produce. And that just obviously did not get up because I got, no. got hammered. When you're hammered, you don't think you're going to be that hungover. I used no. to convince myself that I'd be all right the next day and I never was. So at least now I lies. know. Lies, it's all yeah. lies. <laughs> at least now I know I can absorb all the inspiration when I'm out and actually put it to good use the next day. Yeah. And I think lastly, what I want to say is, um, and this is usually a difficult question for a lot of people, but this is a question that, I always ask my clients or people learning from me like within my community, within my courses and programs is whenever you find something difficult to quit, let's say alcohol, you want to ask yourself, what are you getting from it? And a lot of people say like, what do you mean? Of course, alcohol is bad. I'm not getting anything from it. But the fact that you're still doing it means that you're still getting something from it. You're still somehow getting some sort of a quote unquote benefit from it, even if it's, if it's bad, even if it's negative, even if you kind of know it, somehow you still get something from it. Otherwise you would decide to flip it over and you would see the benefits on the other side would are much higher than what you're doing now. But oftentimes that's really what it boils down to. Um, is what are you still getting from that somehow? And it's not always a positive thing, but there is somehow some sort of a payoff that you're getting. Otherwise, you would turn it around. And I feel like that's definitely a question um, we can leave everybody with. (laughs) They can just kind of chew on that one. Um, But Tom, lastly, before I'm yeah, I'm going to stop this recording. Um, where can people find you? I know you already mentioned it on Instagram, but how to dance sober, 
Um, yep. where, can where can everybody find the, you know, the socials and the podcast? Sure. So, yeah, like I said, at How To Dance Sober on Instagram. Um, and then there's a link there to the podcast itself on any platform. It's on Apple, Apple Music, Spotify, any platform, really. Or if you just search there, How To Dance Sober. Um, <laughs> awesome. And then me... Um, so I'm on Instagram at t.bunts t.b-u-n-t-s and then SoundCloud is the only thing else worth following I think that I update and that's SoundCloud forward slash t.bunts and yeah like I say the How to Dance Sober Instagram is somewhere I encourage anyone to just DM if they've got questions if they're curious if they've got I don't know a milestone I've said said in my last part last episode which went out today actually I want to start celebrating people's milestones yeah so anyone that kind of messages or, or posts or anything on the page that they've got a milestone I'll just shout them out on the ne- next episode and hopefully help people on their journey yes awesome thank you so so much Tom I really enjoyed this conversation I, I feel like we could go on for hours and hours maybe we have to schedule just like a follow-up episode or something let's do it yeah definitely I've enjoyed <laughs> this awesome. it's nice it's nice to be on the other side because I've been interviewing yeah. people for my podcast lately so it's kind of nice to just have a chat with you it's, it's been really yeah. enjoyable Awesome. Thank you so, so much for joining. I really appreciate your time and your insights and just your support. Like to me personally, it's been really great. So thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm really glad that you've hit, what, seven months is it now? Yeah, it's seven. Brilliant. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So happy. (laughs) So you should be. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you.